You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, and our off-season discussion shows are continuing and starting here with the first positional discussion show. Right now, though, the New York Giants still are waiting to make a decision on their coaching situation. They're currently interviewing multiple candidates, so once we have a, a firm decision on who they're going to hire, we will be giving you a reaction and a breakdown and maybe also discuss some other dark horse candidates if anyone else is interviewed and they do arise. But that being said, though, with the offseason coming around, we want to give you a quick reminder that we are going to be doing mailbags on Fridays. It's simply going to be questions uh, about breaking down and analyzing specific players, situations, position groups, whatever. What If there's anything specific that you want us to break down and analyze, we can definitely do that. And if you want us to answer your questions, send us an email at the Big Blue View Gmail. That's B-I-G-B-L-U-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. Or you can also tweet at us on, at us on social media or send it into the Facebook page via Messenger. So what we're going to be doing on today's show, though, we are going to be talking about the quarterback position for the Giants, more specifically Daniel Jones, and then in the second half, discussing the free agency quarterback market and then the very important ramifications of the quarterback class in the 2020 draft, more specifically how it impacts the decision-making of the New York Giants. Getting right on into it, the way that the quarterback position stands as it does right now, Daniel Jones is the really only locked-in player. Eli Manning and Alex Tanney are unrestricted free agents, so there's a, a bit of a, it's a bit up in the air if both of them will be coming back. Eli Manning, it's very clear that he probably will not be considering his comments at the end of the season, but Alex Tanney, we don't know if the next head coach wants to keep him around. Yeah, I, I really think that whatever happens with a veteran backup will depend on what happens with the head coach. They'll probably want somebody who is familiar with the style of offense they run, perhaps a guy that they themselves are familiar with. You know, Alex Tanny is, I think, a fine backup. I'm not sure I would trust him to really come in and win a game or win multiple games if for some reason the starter was going to be out for a few weeks. But if the starter needed to tie his shoe or the game was a blowout in either direction. Yeah. Tanny would be fine. He's an experienced quarterback, an experienced backup quarterback. So he is, I think good for the quarterback room. The odd thing with Tanny is that he hasn't really played at all in any regular season games for us to be able to evaluate him because it was all Eli Manning last year and it was mostly Daniel Jones this year and developing him. 
So you don't really know what he's going to be capable of. So that, that might really deter Dave Gettleman and whoever they bring in as a new coach to keep him around. And I, I think something else you have to take into account is that whoever they do hire, they might have some preference in bringing in a specific veteran that they want to almost serve as a secondary coach in having just an older presence in the quarterback room, answering questions for Daniel Jones, helping him figure things out. Kind of the role of Eli Manning this year, but finding someone that's actually a bit more excited and willing. You're not going to find anyone overly excited, but somebody who knows their role as that mentoring backup and is a little bit more willing to do it than than uh, Eli Manning was. Yeah, and also doesn't cost $20 million. That's, yeah, that's the much. big key. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the one thing, though, that we're going to do in today's show, like I, I alluded to, is discussing Daniel Jones. And so in all these positional recap shows, we'll be breaking down various bits and pieces, but... Today, specifically, we're going to be focused and honed in on Daniel Jones and what we saw from him in the games that he played. And if you talk to anyone that was evaluating tape from Jones this season, he showed a lot of bright spots, but he also showed a lot of concerning things. And it's a matter of taking that next step forward and eliminating some of those huge negatives. The first thing that we're going to discuss here is the things that we liked from Daniel Jones. So he flashed a lot of very promising things this year, most notably his ability to fit the ball into tight windows. Yeah, Daniel Jones actually wound up being the, depending on where your cutoff is on games played, the third or fourth most aggressive quarterback in the league. And that's a little bit of a double-edged sword because if you're constantly trying to fit the ball into tight windows, you're going to make some spectacular throws and great plays, but you're also going to have opportunities for the defense to make plays on the football and we saw both of those things you know the last game of the year we saw golden tate make a great reception for a touchdown in tight coverage we also saw jones try to fit the ball into a tight window and have the defense come up with it i think that the willingness and the ability to really try to thread the needle is a good thing and it's not something that should i suppose be Try coached out of him, but maybe a little bit more judiciousness going forward would be nice. Improving his discretion is very important, and I, I like that you pointed out that it is a double-edged sword because quarterbacks that are overly aggressive, it's very beneficial that you don't have someone that's too conservative and constantly just dumping things off and um, going with the easy play and not picking up first downs, but they're willing to put it into a risky area and they have the confidence in their arm and you don't really see that a lot from rookies but the the negative of that is seeing issues with turning the football over which we saw the whole year he had a lot of interceptions he had some fumbles which is unrelated but having that is a bit of a balance if you look at Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not comparing Daniel Jones to Patrick Mahomes, but what makes him so good is that he has that ball placement and the ability to make those tight throws, but at the same time, he does make mistakes from time to time because he still is a relatively young quarterback, but the reason why he does make those mistakes and throw those interceptions is because he is very, very aggressive. If you can coach out of Daniel Jones being smarter with being aggressive, then you could get on track to developing uh, Jones into a very good quarterback. And I, I think some of the other things too that are are very promising that is in in the facet of the NFL 
and how it's developing for the quarterback position is Daniel Jones's mobility. Now, he can keep the ball and run if he chooses to, but at the same time, he also can throw on the run very, very well. Yes, he can. And that, I think, had proved to be a little bit of a problem for defenses. Now, it's something defenses league-wide are just going to adapt to. You know, With guys like Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, all of these guys who are capable of playing outside of the pl- pocket, playing out of the structure of a normal offense, defenses are going to scheme for and adapt to quarterbacks who can use their legs as part of the offense, not just as a gimmick or a way to just save a broken play. But still, having that ability, that tool in your tool belt is a useful thing to have. Being able to throw well on a bootleg or on a scramble, it gives the offense, the quarterback, the offensive coordinator, the ability to stress a defense in a way it's very difficult for them to deal with. Changing throwing lanes, changing angles for coverage players. Those are all really difficult things for a defense to deal with. Just think about how hard it is for the Giants defense to deal with Carson Wentz or Prescott or anyone like that going back a ways, Tony Romo, Donovan McNabb, when they would get out on a bootleg or on a scramble and all of a sudden it would become backyard football. Having that ability is really a good thing for the Giants defense to be able to have. Additionally, if you if you look at Daniel Jones in terms of his physical makeup, I think he compares very favorably to Josh Allen. Now, Allen is almost 20 pounds heavier than Daniel Jones, so he does have this offseason to put on, pack on some more weight. But whoever is the next offensive coordinator and head coach, I think should really try to use that to their advantage. If you have a really big quarterback that has shown a uh, relative ability to stay healthy, maybe use him in running situations. If it is third and one um, or if it's third and goal, just power it in with Daniel Jones. You need to obviously get him a little bit bigger, but he has that size and that ability to move and, and relative, relative athleticism that does compare to another young quarterback in Josh Allen that was very successful this year and took that step forward. They played to his strengths, which is not just having a big arm and being a, a strong arm quarterback, but also allowing him to be athletic and make plays with his legs. And the last little positive and thing that we really liked this year was just his overall accuracy at times. There were obvious situations where he made mistakes that led to turnovers or the ball did not was not properly placed where it needed to be. But in general, from a rookie quarterback with limited experience, he did show very good touch on the football. Yeah, and like you say, it is at times. He, going back to that uh, touchdown to Golden Tate, he put it right where Tate was the only player who could make a play on it. We have seen him, especially over the middle, put balls where they needed to be, fit them in between coverage players. And he has made throws that were really very impressive. The flip side of that is also throwing to the outside. We have seen him lead receivers out of bounds or overthrow guys, again, on plays towards the sideline, which are tough for really any quarterback. You know, don't get me wrong there. Those are tough for even veteran guys who have been at it for five, 10 years and are generally considered among the most accurate quarterbacks. Those are just difficult big boy throws. So the there is still some accuracy and precision and consistency that needs to be developed with Jones, but he has shown flashes that 
are at least promising. Yeah, his overall accuracy has looked very good, but it's just a matter of fixing up those issues and being a little bit more consistent. I would also say that his his touch and his delivery is quick. It's pretty good. It's just a, it's just a matter of him processing things and being a little bit smarter in his decision making. And that leads right into the first thing that we didn't really like from Daniel Jones this year, and that was decision making. And it was a flip side of one or the other of if he was rushing things and getting the ball out almost too quickly because he was under duress or the opposite of taking way too long and holding the football, which would lead to turnovers, fumbles, sacks, you name it, leading to egregious plays, negative losses that will slow down your offense. Now, I will say that this is probably a good problem to have because it's pretty typical that young quarterbacks have these problems. There's a lot of things that they have to learn how to do at the pro level, so he's not going to be super quick at making that adjustment. It was gradually improving towards the end of the the season. There'd be the occasional step back, but it's going to take time. And if you bring in the right personnel pieces, a good quarterback coach, a good offensive coordinator, make things easier for him, this really could be worked out pretty quickly. Yeah. And yeah, part of this does go back to his aggressiveness fitting or trying to fit the ball into tight areas. And part of that can be helped by the offensive coordinator. You know, you you mentioned how Patrick Mahomes is an aggressive passer, but he really doesn't throw into coverage all that often. Going just to NFL Next Gen stats, he's only throwing into coverage on 12% of his throws, which is the third fewest in the NFL. And, you know, we just know Andy Reid is a fantastic play designer and play caller. So it would be a huge help for to Daniel yeah it would be a huge help to Daniel Jones to get somebody of that caliber designing and calling plays for him where maybe he just isn't asked to throw into coverage all that often I frankly feel that he was a bit hamstrung by Pat Shermer's offensive system I I I don't really think it worked well for a young guy and I if you look back at Pat Shermer Uh, as his time as a head coach previously with the Browns and he was an offensive coordinator with the Vikings, he didn't really have to work with a rookie quarterback. And it didn't seem like he was all that willing to work with what worked well with Daniel Jones. So I'm, I'm excited for whoever they do bring in and knowing that they'll be more willing to work with the the strengths and weaknesses of Daniel Jones. Now, the the final thing that we really didn't like, and it should be an obvious one, I'm sure everyone hated this, was his ball security. And This, on the other hand, is similar to the first negative in it can be coached out and fixed, but it's not overly simple to do. You need to work on his decision making, but making sure he's not falling into a a rut, if you will, because if they don't work this out quickly and make his decision making simpler and put him in better opportunities with the football, he could turn into Jameis Winston, which... As we saw this year, he threw 30 interceptions and had multiple fumbles. So seeing a regression like that, but also a progression at the same time, could be detrimental to Jones if he doesn't fix this stuff now. Yeah, definitely. And it is kind of a balancing act between coaching him up on getting through his progressions quickly, not putting himself in bad, difficult situations, but also being aware of what is going on around him and 
really just being careful to not put too much on his plate at one time. Because yes, he was coached by David Cutcliffe in college, but his college system was really very simple. There weren't a whole lot of NFL concepts he had to deal with. His offense in college was really just one or two reads or an RPO, which is basically just a one read and the read is hand the ball to the running back or throw looking at one defender. And while those concepts are filtering into the NFL offensive landscape, at the college level, they're still a lot simpler than even what is being implemented in the NFL. So there is kind of a balancing act in growing the mental aspect of Jones's game, but not putting too much on him and just forcing him into paralysis by analysis. All right, now we're going to transition to discussing the outlook of the offseason for the quarterback position, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. All right, so now the quarterback free agency market, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, we just talked very highly of Daniel Jones, and the whole season we've considered him to be the future and franchise quarterback, and you should too. You're probably wondering, Why do we need to talk about the quarterback for agency market? Well, the very key thing here is that they really don't have a backup quarterback right now. I don't think Alex Tanney, even if they bring him back, is the answer uh, for your backup quarterback situation. So that opens things up for who is going to be available, who could come in and be that veteran presence in the film room, and is that willing participant of being a mentor for Daniel Jones and helping out. There's a a decent list of guys, and I think the, the, the two that really stand out to me are Chase Daniel from Chicago, who is in his mid-30s and has been around for a very long time in the NFL with a number of very good coaching minds in Matt Nagy and Andy Reid. And then the other one is a bit of an interesting one, is Josh McCown. Now, if he doesn't retire and he's willing to come back, maybe you can convince him. If not, I would honestly be looking to him as a quarterback coach because there's been a, a huge arrow pointing to him getting into coaching and a lot of uh, people have speculated and said that he could become a very good quarterback coach and, and that he's a very intelligent person when it comes to uh, being able to mentor and help people. Yeah, that would actually be a really good career move, I think, for him. People asked Eli Manning about getting into coaching, and he just basically said, no, that is not for me. Usually the coaches who used to be quarterbacks that you find are – the guys who were longtime backups, the guys who maybe didn't have quite the physical tool set to be a long-term successful starting quarterback, but who consistently had to really rely on knowing the game better than anyone else, putting in the time and the preparation and consistently earning their place on the roster as a backup, and who often found themselves kind of as assistant quarterback coaches for the starter that would I think be a great next career step for Josh McCown on our list we've got uh, Chase Daniel Case Keenum Colt McCoy and Matt Moore other than Josh McCown Uh, Daniel and Keenum kind of stand out to me especially Case Keenum if for some reason Washington lets him go because he kind of proved to be an effective backup a guy who could step in and at least give them the opportunity to win a game. You know, we have seen him be an effective starter in the right system. 
And having a guy like that would be really great for the Giants. I just don't know if he in particular would even be available. Chase Daniel, kind of who knows what's going to be up with the Chicago Bears at this point. They've committed to another year of Mitchell Trubisky. Maybe they want to keep Chase Daniel around kind of just in case. Maybe they'll let him test the free agent market. That that I think will be something to follow as the as this very new year rolls on. In the situation in Chicago, they could be more looking in the direction of what the Titans did in the previous offseason of bringing in someone who can compete and maybe they don't start right away. But if you're having issues with Trubisky, you can bump him right in. And heck, you could even bring in Mariota if you wanted to do that. But if Chase Daniel is available, he does fit that mold of what the Giants should be looking in for a backup quarterback. And that's someone, if you needed him to, to play a game, if Daniel Jones is hurt, to go out there and, and, and be a game manager for however long period of time you need him to be. But the other side of that is is being seasoned, being a veteran that has that coaching concept, if you will, that they could be of a help helpful use in being a strong presence in the quarterback room. Bringing in another young guy or drafting someone, I just don't see that as being helpful. Maybe you want to develop someone into being a backup for the for a long period of time. You know, someone like Nick Mullins, if they uh, if the 49ers choose not to bring him back, I, I don't really see someone like that being beneficial to the the Giants' quarterback situation because all you would be doing is having multiple young guys that need to develop. Yeah, yeah. You know- Maybe if the Giants wanted to spend like a sixth or seventh round draft pick, a priority free agent, just to bring in as a a third guy, maybe a practice squad guy, you know, like, uh, I don't know, Brian Lewerke from Michigan State, a guy who it feels like he's been in college for about 10 years. Maybe somebody like that who they could develop as a backup, not as a primary guy, but just as a almost camp arm, uh, working with the scout team and who would allow them to eventually move on from the veteran and more or less have their own in-house backup. I could see them doing something like that, but their primary backup is almost certainly going to be a veteran free agent of some name. Yeah. And I think the other thing to to point out here is that it might be odd that we're putting so much attention on this, but the giants are going to be bringing a lot of attention to this because having the proper backup quarterback is more important than you would expect. So hopefully they do approach this correctly. And if they bring in the right person, it helps lead with the development and improvement of the Giants offense and quarterback situation. The, the one thing I would like to add to that is right now, the Tennessee Titans backup has them in their second playoff game. The Miami Dolphins backup is the reason why the New England Patriots are no longer in the playoffs. So the backup quarterback is an important role, even if you hope he never sees the field. Now to finish up today's show, it's another thing that's a bit odd that we're going to be discussing it, and that is the quarterback draft class. And again, obviously the Giants are not going to be drafting a quarterback high to replace or compete for the starting job. The key thing to note here is that this quarterback class is significantly more talented than last year's. It's deeper. There's a lot of guys that could come in and develop into starters. There's also potential for some risky bets and busts from this class. But because there's so many names and so many potential guys that could go in this first round, 
hovering around that five or six mark, that means all of these quarterback desperate and needy teams are going to be going and doing whatever they can to get themselves a young developmental quarterback. And in looking at the the teams that are in need of a quarterback, it's a lot more than it typically is. It's usually five or seven teams is a little seven being on the very higher side of teams that need a young quarterback that they want to draft and develop. But right now there's a lot of teams that need to start from scratch and start over from the beginning and start building something now. So that that really does put the Giants in an interesting situation because they're sitting at the fourth pick. They're sitting in a position where after Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert and also Tua Tavangaloa, if he is taken by that third pick, then other teams are going to be really worried that if they don't trade up to that four or five, somewhere in that range, that no one else is going to be available for them and they'll have to wait until next year. Yeah, it's... It's really interesting. I think there's kind of two ways this could happen. Perhaps Washington and or Detroit could trade out. The Giants have a reputation of just not being willing to trade down. You know, two years ago, the Jets basically flat out said they never even bothered calling the Giants about the second overall pick because they knew they weren't going to want to make a deal. And instead, they traded with the Indianapolis Colts for the third overall pick, which they used for Sam Darnold. The Colts wound up getting three second round picks out of it and still being able to get Quentin Nelson. Perhaps one of the lessons the Giants have learned over the last few years is that they need to be more willing to move down and potentially maximize the value of that pick. But maybe teams might not be, might not have realized the Giants have learned that lesson yet. And maybe Washington and or Detroit will trade down. That could possibly put Chase Young and or Andrew Thomas back in play for the Giants at fourth overall, which would be, I think, incredible. The other option is if those two teams stay themselves, there's the possibility the Giants could trade down and maybe Miami would want to move up to secure Tua or Justin Herbert or perhaps a team like the Jaguars or... At this point, who knows, maybe the Raiders, they've got a, you know what, I'm going to use this line again. They've got a murder doll for a head coach. Who knows what's what they're thinking? They just moved to Vegas, roll the dice. You know, maybe they could be interested in moving up. Both of those teams have multiple first round picks. So there are, there are some really intriguing options there for the Giants if they do let the rest of the league know that they are open to moving down. I can almost guarantee from all those teams that we discussed and some of them that we didn't even point out that teams are going to fall in love with certain quarterbacks and the minute that some of them start to go, they're going to do whatever they can to take their guy. It goes right back to what happened last year and the Giants took Daniel Jones earlier than most people would have expected. And that was simply because Dave Gettleman was in love with him as a prospect. He really wanted to do whatever he could and he wasn't going to risk waiting around to take him because he knew other teams might potentially be interested. So because teams are going to be falling in love with quarterback prospects, it it is a situation that the Giants need to be taking advantage of it. Like I was going to say, I can completely guarantee that someone is going to trade up within the top five because in any draft like this, there's always going to be a run at quarterback at some point. Someone is going to try and get themselves into a position 
to take a guy that is going to be their franchise quarterback because they're tired of playing around at the position and they want to secure their their future. And that uh, everything that we're just we're saying now is that that puts the Giants in a really good situation where they could potentially have multiple first round picks this year or multiple first round picks down the line which will ultimately help create future success and develop this young team that has a number of holes. Yeah, and that I think would be almost the ideal scenario other than, you know, pie in the sky Chase Young falling to them, which as far as I'm concerned, he is still the prize for any team that doesn't need a quarterback. He is still the prize in this draft. But if the Giants could get multiple first round picks, maybe get that third round pick back and an extra pick next year, even if a guy even if Andrew Thomas is there, there are potentially three OT ones in this draft. You can make an argument for Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, or Jedrick Wills to all be the number one tackle. If the Giants could get extra draft capital and that guy, that would be really just an incredible start to their draft and I give them the talent infusion that they desperately need. Yeah, and the other thing too is that if the the Giants trade back a few picks potentially uh, and they're still in the top 10 with a team that is desperate to 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 move up and get their get their guy there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks taken in those early picks, so somebody could still fall to them if they move back. They, they could still end up with getting an Andrew Thomas at five if the Dolphins want to move up to four. They could be in a position to still get those guys, but it just take advantage of the situation and, and not be overly worried about maybe of missing out on an overt superstar talent, but instead of trying to get multiple talented top 10 quality guys in either this draft or or in multiple drafts going forward. We're going to have to kind of monitor and see what happens with the draft stock of some of these second-round graded guys like Jacob Eason, uh, you know, like Nate Stanley, those guys, where they stand, and if, if they'll maybe slide themselves into the first round, that could open things up for some more competition for uh, teams that are desperate for a quarterback. That's going to be it from us, folks. We're going to be talking about the running back position on our next show. But be sure to subscribe and review wherever you're listening to us. And also, make sure you send your questions in to us either on Twitter, Facebook, or through email. That's bigblueview at gmail.com. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at bigblueview. And you can follow me at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And you can follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I.